Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Starting a sermon series all about the other guy, and uh, this week we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit um, the person, and then in following weeks, uh, the, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really, really excited about this. I've put a lot of uh, work and, and study. I actually did this during my sabbatical when I was supposed to be resting, um, but I just got so excited about it. Um, but it's interesting, there is a lot of division in the church about really, what do we do with the Holy Spirit? There is two extremes. The first extreme is the Holy Spirit is like that weird uncle at family functions. You know, he's, he's always there, and he's sort of nice, but you don't want to get too close to him because he's a little bit weird. And I think that is some people's experience. And it was my experience growing up. It was the Father. We get taught a lot about God the Father. He loves us. And God the Son, who is Jesus, but God the Holy Spirit. It's like that other guy... What's up with that? Um, and maybe there's a reason for that, where we're self-reliant, we're independent. Maybe um, we've had some really weird experiences with people that love the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to turn into one of them. <laughs> the other extreme is when the Holy Spirit is the star of the show. We make him the center of attention, and we crave um, the feeling that he gives us and the experience that he gives us and we neglect the relationship that he offers us. And, um, you know, sometimes sadly to say in some Pentecostal churches, we're a Pentecostal church, it's like the Holy Spirit is the ringleader and it's like a bit of a circus. Uh, but we see very clearly um, in the Bible, Matthew 16, 14, Jesus said, um, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit never wants to sort of draw attention to himself. He is always wanting to honor and glorify Jesus. And that's why uh, when we sing and we, we glorify Jesus, you often feel the presence of the Holy Spirit um, in a building. So my experience with this, I grew up in an amazing traditional church, but it was a traditional church and, and we didn't really have any teaching on the Holy Spirit, except that we were taught that we were um, baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled uh, with the Holy Spirit when we gave our lives to Jesus. Um, and I always had an issue with that because you read in Acts 2 about how a group of unschooled, ordinary disciples had this encounter with the Holy Spirit and they completely changed their world. And here I was, I'd already given my life to God. It's like, wait a second, have I got the baptism of the Spirit? I don't feel any different. I was always struggling with temptation and witnessing. And every couple of weeks I was back on the altar call giving my life to Jesus because I lacked power. Uh, and then a couple of my friends, um, they, they had fallen away from God and something had radical had happened to them. They had um, turned back to God. They had been filled with uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Didn't really know what it was, but they got it. And they turned up at one of our home groups uh, that, that night or one night. And they were just explaining. We, we were filled with the power of God and, and, and baptized, which just means basically submerged uh, in the power of God. And, and the home group leader got really upset because he said, no, no, no. Um, we, we, that happens when you get born again and they said well it 
something new's happened to us. Um, and uh, everyone got heated and it got a little bit ugly and the home group leader left. Uh, it was his home group and he left. Um, there was a couple of us left. It's like, I don't know what, what's really you're talking about, but I want what you've got. I knew in my heart that they had completely changed. They had an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit and I could see it in their lives and I wanted and I had the same encounter that night with God. So it's really interesting. Um, based on our experiences, our church experiences, maybe good or bad, we, we look at the Holy Spirit sometimes a little bit different. And my, my passion and my prayer uh, this morning is that we are reintroduced to the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He loves us. He wants to fill us. And um, for us as a church journey, we're a Pentecostal church, which means uh, we, we believe that uh, the encounter the disciples had in Acts chapter 2, how they were filled with the power of God, and then they went and changed their world. We believe that that's an experience that all of us can and should have. So we love the power of God. We also love the Word of God. We love the Bible. We love teaching. So sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge to keep that in balance. We have theology, we love theology, we love the Bible, we love the Word, and sometimes over here it's like we love prophecy, we love the prophetic, we love the crazy experiences, and we got to all live as one happy family and learn from each other, uh, and just basically just want more of God, amen? So uh, it's the Word of God um, and the Spirit of God. Interesting um, that word spirit uh, comes from a root word both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, meaning wind or Breath. So in the Old Testament, it's Ruach in the Hebrew. And the very first couple of verses that we see in the entire Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, the Ruach of God, it's the Holy Spirit, hovering over the surface of the waters. It comes from the root word meaning wind of God or breath of God. Uh, that's what the original is when you read it in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, because it wasn't written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, um, the Greek word is pneuma, and it comes from the same root meaning, meaning wind or breath. And this, again, is right throughout the New Testament, but just one verse, John 14, 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He is the holy pneuma. Again, um, it comes from the root word, wind or breath. We learn a lot about the Holy Spirit's character by um, His name, wind and breath. Why is that? First of all, breath is vital to life. The Holy Spirit is vital to our spiritual life. If you aren't breathing, you're either dead or you're dying. True. Wind is so important, and that's the name for the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, breath, wind. You can't see wind, but you can feel wind. And we can't see wind, it's invisible, but we can absolutely feel um, its effect on our lives. And again, you can't see wind, but you can definitely see its effect on others. All you need to do is, is Google on, on YouTube, um, wind blowing people over. 
which I did this morning. And um, you, all these videos pop up of these people trying to struggle because the wind is almost blowing them over. Uh, again, the character of the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Spirit, but you can definitely see its effect in others. And I love that about the Holy Spirit's name, wind and breath. A.W. Tozer, uh, he's, he's in heaven now, but he was an incredible Bible teacher, um, of, of yesteryear, incredible pastor. Um, and you can still find some of his stuff if you just Google it, but he's incredible. Um, this is what he said, so challenging. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. It's a huge challenge for us at Renew Church if the Holy Spirit decided to go. Would we notice? I really hope we would. And what about we speak it to our lives as individuals if the Holy Spirit wasn't a big part of our life? Would we even notice the power of God wasn't in our lives anymore. Would we even notice if the power went out in our lives? You know, we power is a big deal in our lives. Um, when I'm doing a little bit of renovations, and it's like, okay, guys, I want to going to turn the power off. No, wait, Dad, I'm online. I'm streaming. I'm watching something, and I've got to actually give the kids a lot of notice and my wife before I turn the power off. Um, but then, you know, we, we have power cuts occasionally. We all notice when there is no power. It's like we freak out. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to live when we're not connected. If the Holy Spirit left our lives, would we notice? Would it be a big deal to us? That's a really important point because when the power goes out, everyone notices. We were praying in the, in the prayer meeting this morning about church being like a sailing boat. And maybe it was a little bit of residue with the America's Cup, um, which was awesome. It was so cool that we won that. But um, got me thinking, actually, because this is part of my sermon that I prepared. In 2013, um, America's Cup, I think, Team Oracle uh, USA won in 2013. Um, this is from Boat International magazine that they reckoned that around $300 million was spent um, on the America's Cup for that boat alone, $300 million. Um, and I can believe it because even this one that happened last week, it cost $2 million just to enter. And we spent as taxpayers like a million dollars for Rod Stewart to sing some song. I haven't even heard it yet. It's like, what even was that? So there is a lot of money. So much money goes into people um, building boats, and our boat's amazing. Um, te Ruatai, which means spirit of the ocean, incredible boat. And they can pour millions, and they did, and, and have these guys, and they're all trained. But one thing sort of no one really thinks about, if there's no wind, that boat is not going anywhere. It is dead in the water. You can spend $500 million on a boat, but if there is no wind... It's not even doing anything that it was created to do. It was meant to catch the wind and sail with our churches. We put a lot of money into everything. Um, and, you know, we need good sound. We need good systems. We need good staff. But we got to remember 
that with the Holy Spirit, then we're just dead in the water. We need Him. We need the Holy Spirit so much in our church. We need the Holy Spirit so much in our lives. So let's have a look at John 14, verse 16 to 17. And I love this verse or these verses. And this is when Jesus is sort of teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit and about how the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill them. Uh, So in the Old Testament, you read so often that the Holy Spirit would come um, and settle upon someone um, and equip someone for a short time for a specific task. Um, They need to do something incredible. And it says quite often that the Holy Spirit would come upon that person. And then once the, uh, the task had been done and, and the incredible miracle had taken place, the Holy Spirit would leave. So that was everyone's general understanding that the Holy Spirit was God and He would come and rest upon people, but He would always leave again. He wasn't living in or, or con- continuously with people. And then Jesus is starting to teach His disciples uh, this new revelation and truth of the Holy Spirit, and it really blew their minds. Uh, Verse 16, and I, Jesus is talking, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. We're going to unpack that, but I just want to read it from a different translation uh, first. It's not up on the screen, or maybe up on the screen. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will ask the Father and He'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the Spirit of truth. The godless world can't take Him in because it doesn't have eyes to see Him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know Him already because He has been staying with you and will even be in you. I love that. I love those verses. Um, But we're going to unpack those this morning and just really take it maybe word by word and a bit of phrases there and just just look at some of this because it is absolutely amazing. That first one, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. He will give you another. Now, there's a couple of words in the Greek that they use for another. One is heretos, which means another but different. And there's another word for another, and that's alos, and that means another, but exactly the same. And, and the, the one that Jesus used was alos. He will give you an alos advocate, another, but exactly the same. And I know it's hard to get our mind around um, the, the triune uh, fact that God is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've been a Christian most of my life, and I, I still, it's, it just blows my mind. Uh, but we, we understand it in our hearts, that God is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Different persons, different personalities, but exactly the same. I will give you another advocate. Now, if you're anything like me, you think, Advocate? That's like newspaper. What? Father, son, and a newspaper? How does that actually work? Uh, Until you actually look up in the dictionary what advocate means, (laughs) which means public supporter. 
Now, again, I'm wondering why our newspaper is called public. They don't support me. It's not a public supporter of Simon. What's up with that? Uh, but that word originally, advocate, means public supporter. Uh, but it means so much more than that. And depending upon the translation that you use, um, that word can mean a lot of things. Intercessor, which means someone that stands with you and intercedes in the gap before you or makes a case in the gap for you. A comforter, encourager, counselor, strengthener, friend. So this is how Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit who's going to be given to us. He's going to be our public supporter, our intercessor, our comforter, our encourager, our counselor, our strengthener, our friend. So a lot of those things are awesome and we find a lot of those things in other people, but we need to be going to God first. His name is Counselor. He wants to be our our priority counselor, our encourager, the person that we go to first, our supporter, our, our, our public, public supporter, one that's cheering us on all the time. I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Like in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went again. He's saying it's not going to be like that anymore. The Holy Spirit is always going to be with you. He is the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. Now, if um, Jesus was sort of taking a, a Greek exam right now, he would fail uh, because uh, his phrase is grammatically incorrect because spirit, um, we talked about it, pneuma, um, to be grammatically correct, it's not a he, it's an it. So he should have said, if he was to be grammatically correct, that I will send the Holy Spirit it. It will be an advocate. It will be an encourager. Uh, but he actually purposefully messed around with, with grammar and he said something that the disciples would have absolutely picked up on. He said, he is the Holy Spirit, not it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force or a thing. Oh, say if I bought a, a new sofa. And I'm saying, guys, isn't she beautiful? <laughs> my, my family will be, Simon, you're, in, you're a little bit weird. Well, more than usual weird. Because we know that a sofa isn't it. Jesus said, he is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who leads into all truth, who leads. The Holy Spirit has emotions. He has a will. He has feelings. He leads us. He guides us. Force can't do that. A thing can't do that. Who leads into all truth. I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Now, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, we are living in a time um, unprecedented in Christianity. Um, it's never really happened before this crisis, and it's worldwide, and it's incredibly damaging, and it's called deconstructionism. And it's, it's hugely popular now with, with young people and um, youth especially, where uh, people that have grown up with the faith in Jesus, they think it's in vogue uh, because they don't quite understand some aspects of, of the Christian faith to, to deconstruct it and, and pull it apart 
And basically, it's just another way for another way of saying, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Uh, and they think it's hip, and it's just so dangerous. Because I could give any one of you guys a wind-up alarm clock this morning and give you a Phillips screwdriver and say, can you, you know, spend half an hour and pull this apart? And most of us could do that quite easily. But I bet you none of us could ever put that clock back together again. These people that think it's cool to deconstruct their faith, um, I have yet to read any one of them that have actually put their faith back together again as in, and is in a better place than they were. A lot of them, their, their marriages are being blown apart. Everything's turning to custard for them. We've got to be so careful. It's happening worldwide. That's why, one of the reasons why we desperately need the Holy Spirit back in our lives and back in our churches, because He is the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that leads us into truth, that keeps us in the truth. Now, again, this world thinks it's the right way to do is everyone has their own truth, um, and we can carry our own truth around us, and my truth is true for me, and it may not be true for you, but that's okay. No, 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 it's not okay. We're deceived if we think that. We need the Holy Spirit. Young people, we need the Holy Spirit. He's the one who leads us into the truth so that we're not deceived. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit, but the world is looking for so many spiritual experiences. And, and in the Western world, we're becoming a lot more spiritual. And I guess that's, a good thing in a way because it's opening people's minds up to their need for um, this spirit, soul, and body. A spirit is a big part of us. But you're not going to find the answers. You're not going to find truth. You're not going to find freedom in essential oils or yoga or some other person's Instagram feed of their spirituality. It's not going to happen. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend everyone that's into essential oils. Doesn't cure COVID, by the way, just, just saying. There's some flyers going around that says it's just. <laughs> the world cannot receive him. You will never be able to find the real thing outside of Christianity. And lastly, he lives with you now and later will be in you. I may be talking about that in a, in, a, in a message to come. He lives with you now and later will be in you. And we see this in Acts chapter 2 when the believers, and they were following Jesus, they had given their lives to Jesus. Jesus had died, risen again, but before he left to go to the Father, he had promised them the Holy Spirit that would change their lives and through them would change the world. And when that day happened, they understand what Jesus was saying. He's with you now. The Holy Spirit is with you. But later, He's going to be in you. And, and the disciples, their minds would have been blown because before then, their experience is like, well, the Holy Spirit's there and we need Him for power, but He comes and then He goes again. But you're actually saying the Holy Spirit is going to come and live within us and never leave us? That's incredible, isn't it? And we have that exact same opportunity to be God carriers. To have the Holy Spirit, the breath and the wind of God in us and flowing through us. The world can't get that. But we have Him. And therefore, 
people should be able to see a difference in our lives. Therefore, we should be spiritually alive. So just three points before finishing off. Talking about Holy Spirit as a person, because when I was growing up, honestly, it was sort of like the Holy Spirit was like Star Wars, the force. And I was even told that by someone. It's like, um, you know, Simon, the Holy Spirit's like the Star Wars, the force. You know, the force will be with you. It's like, all right. And actually, there are some Christian uh, areas of Christianity that still teach that the Holy Spirit is a force. And they're wrong. Holy Spirit is a person. And just to, to highlight that, some things that happen only to people and not to things. Firstly, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. So you can't lie to a force. You can't lie to a, a thing. You can't lie to a sofa. You can lie to a person. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, uh, it's, it's a quite a, a sobering story of, of a couple of Christians called Ananias and Sapphira, and God was moving, and, and they felt to, felt to sell their land or their farm. And uh, they, they brought the money to the, the church leaders at the time. And they lied about the amount. Uh, say, I don't know how much it was. Let's say they sold it for a million bucks. Um, and say they kept $200,000 for themselves. But they lied to the church leaders. And they said, you know, maybe God led us to, to sell this. And we, we want to give it all to the church. See, they lied. And... and Honestly, if someone came to us and said, Simon, we just sold our farm and, you know, we sold it for a million dollars, but we want the church to have $800,000. Uh, we want to keep $200,000. Man, that would be the best day ever. You know, I don't, wow, it's like eight times the tide. It's like incredible. Um, so I'm sure the church leaders at the time, they would have been so stoked. But the point was, they, they, were, they were being inauthentic. They were lying. They were maybe trying to be a little bit more spiritual than they were. Um, and they died because of it. And because of that story, man, the fear of God uh, filled a lot of people's hearts. At the same time, the church kept growing, by the way. But the Holy Spirit can be lied to. And I'm not saying here, if we're inauthentic, then that God's going to kill us. Please don't get that from my sermon. But maybe we're not unlike Ananias and Sapphira sometimes. When people come along and say, Simon, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so good. And, and Simon's like, Simon, you're a liar. You're not good. And Simon, how are your prayer times going? Mate, they're amazing. And like, haven't had a prayer time for a couple of days and I feel real condemned about it. It's like, or we act differently around people in here because we know that if we act a certain way, maybe we're going to be accepted better or affirmed better or feel better about ourselves. Let's be authentic. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Secondly, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30, do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live, or do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The phrase there um, originally is, can read, do not break the heart of the Holy Spirit by choices you make, your behavior. Now, I can't break a sofa's heart. You, just, you can break a sofa, I guess. I know some people that have done that. <laughs> but you, you can't break a thing's heart. You, you can't offend a thing because they're not a person. You can break the heart of the Holy Spirit. You can bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. And um, 
if, if you know, you're taking notes, this is probably the one thing. If, if you take anything away, this next thing I'm about to say is really, really important. When you get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, you understand the difference between breaking a rule and breaking a heart. When you get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, you understand the difference between breaking a rule and breaking a heart. Because the Christian life, we understand it's got some boundaries, it's got some rules. But that's completely different to actually understanding the heart of God and then living in a way to please the heart of God. And in that way, you know, the list of rules become irrelevant because you just know them instinctively. You start to learn what pleases the heart of God and what doesn't please the heart of God. Oh, I've got an incredible wife, Christy. We've been married 25 years in a couple of weeks. Best 25 years of my life. And, um, you know, I don't have a list of, of, I don't keep a list in my drawer of all the things that Christy likes and all the things she doesn't like. And every morning I'm grabbing hold of that list. And it's like, oh, I've got to learn this list. I know what Christy loves and what she doesn't love because I know Christy. And the more I get to know Christy, the more I, I want to please her heart. So rules become irrelevant in a way, but I'm still following them, but it's not about the rules anymore. It's about the relationship. When we understand the person of the Holy Spirit, we understand the difference between keeping rules, which is how I live the Christian life most of my life, and then understanding the person of the Holy Spirit and wanting to please the heart of God. And once we learn that, the revolutionize your life. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. My final point today, the Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. A sofa can't be your friend. You may think it's, you know, a sofa's my friend, but no. A force can't be a friend. A thing can't be a friend. The Holy Spirit can be your friend. And I love that point. John 14, verse 15 to 17. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend, so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him because it doesn't have eyes to see him. Or can't take him in, sorry. Doesn't know what to look for, but you know him. Already, because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He'll provide another friend. This friend is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit wants to be our friend. Isn't that incredible? That God wants to be your friend? And in uh, the Middle East, uh, when Jesus was, was saying these things, most people have an, had an understanding of, of God or God's being angry and always just waiting to waste us and punish us, and just not even wanting to, to be with us or be near us. And Jesus came, God in the flesh, and he, he, he dwelt among us. And that's the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us the hope of glory. And now Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit 
He's going to be your friend, and he's not just going to be with you. He is going to be in you. A friend. God wants to be your friend. And I know that sometimes it's lonely when we don't have many friends. And maybe you're a little bit awkward like myself, and maybe you find it a little bit hard. And and know we all feel deep rejection when we feel that people reject us. The Holy Spirit knows you more than anyone else. The Holy Spirit knows uh, your weaknesses and your strengths. All about you. Everything. Even sees uh, your sins laid out. And I read that um, in, in my Bible reading this morning. But he still wants to be your friend. He still wants to hang out with you. He wants to live in you. I don't know about you, but that just so exciting. God in us, not just with us. And um, I'll just say one more story, to, and then we're done. We, um, on our bookshelf growing up, we had a Benny Hinn book, and the title of it was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I don't think any of us read it, <laughs> uh, but it was there, stayed in the same place for all my life growing up anyway. It's like the Benny Hinn book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, and I, I've never read it, um, but I love that title. And as I've been preparing this, it's like the, the, just the thought. Now I wake up in the morning. What is the first thing we do? It's like you say good morning to your friends and, uh, sorry, to your family. And normally say good morning to Christy. And I say good morning to the cat first. And, uh, and then I go and wake up the girls. It's like, good morning, Kiara. Uh. Good morning, Shemaya. Turn on the light. Turn off the light. It's like, Good morning. <laughs> when was the last time we, we woke up in the morning and we were so excited to have a relationship with God? Good morning, Holy Spirit. So I wrote that out on a piece of paper and it's in my office. One of the first things I see when I go into my, uh, my, my prayer time in the morning is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Why to remind me that the Holy Spirit is a person, that the Holy Spirit is my friend, that the Holy Spirit is not just with me, but He is living in me giving me power to live this Christian life, giving me power to witness, giving me power uh, to, to withstand temptation, to give me power to be victorious, to give me power to be the person that God created me to be. And we can all have that experience. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.com.